Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, thanks for coming today. Uh, sometimes I feel when I, when I think about youth group and I'm, I'm not with them, I feel like there's a big hole in my heart. And, uh, you know, just like seeing them today and I'm thinking, man, I, I want to go upstairs. <laughs> Honestly, I, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I don't love you. I'm just saying, you know, that's just that's the way it works out uh, in my heart. So I'm so thankful for you to be here today. Um, I just have to start and say I have no idea how this is going to go, only because um, I've never given a sermon on the ministry of admonishment. Has everyone, anyone ever heard a sermon on admonishment? I mean, I've been a Christian for 37 years. I can't think of ever having heard something like that. So I'm a little bit nervous because I think there's a lot of thinking that you have to do with me. So what I want to do in, in some ways, and I know this is weird, and I, and I expect in the community that we're in that nobody will do it anyway, but if there's in the midst of this, you have a question like, bro, when you said that, eh, this doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain that a little bit more? I want you to feel free to do so. Uh, it will not ruin my momentum uh, because we do this all the time in youth group. So uh, I'm used to it. So hopefully, if you feel that, because I think there are some things that are here uh, that will be hard to hear, and uh, because it's hard to hear, we have to make sure that we're on the same page seeing things the same way, because you might be thinking, oh, are you saying that? Ooh, that's not cool. I don't like that. Um, and I might be saying something that's kind of in that arena, but not necessarily. Does that make sense? So I'm a little nervous. But speaking of nerves, let's pray. Our Father, you are in heaven, and your love um, just can't comprehend it. I don't get how the very nature of who you are, that combination of love and holiness, how it really works. I just know when I read your word, it's there. And, And to just even try to imagine that you love me and then the world is... It's kind of staggering. Yet, in your love, you just don't let us do whatever we want to live however we are supposed to live. Uh, you want us to live in a way that honors you, yes, but also fills us. So I pray today as we talk about a ministry that you do regularly with your people, that we will experience the sense that you have of taking no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Your desire is to draw people to you through Jesus. I pray that in the end that we see that amidst all of the blurried complexity mess of being human in the body of Christ. Amen. All right. So I am going to talk today about the, uh, oh, there it is. Ah, I guess that maybe I should have stayed up there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, today I want to talk about the ministry of admonishment. And Dr. Uh, King Jr., the, the honesty is my dream like doesn't really compare to his, and he's a much more eloquent church because, in part, it's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. 
which is not to say anything about us at all, but just to help us understand that I do have this dream, this vision, and this ideal. And uh, what I call it is the broken body. So if I ever aims to get, but, but that's really what I want, because to me, I think that's what the church is. It is a broken body. And the broken body to me is broken into two parts. Um, the church is made up of people, right? And uh, my dream would be that the church would be made up of people who are real uh, and are raw. And uh, I like those kind of people. Um, you know, when you talk to people and, and you ask them, how are you doing? Uh, the, the, and this is for anyone who ever gets anything from me, and there are many of you. Um, I just really don't enjoy when I hear the answers. I'm fine. Uh, I'm okay. Um, that does nothing for me. So if you ever get a message from me, please don't respond, because I, then I have to ask, describe that. What does that actually mean when you say you're fine or you're okay? Because uh, the reality is, to me, there's almost like a, let's, let's keep it at this level, and, and I don't want to keep it at that level. I really want to know uh, how you're doing. If you're a parent of children, it's what we experience regularly, right? They come from home school. You go, how was school today? It was okay. What does that mean? <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of know what it means, but it really doesn't tell me. Really, come on. You're going to tell me you went through a whole day and there's nothing that touched or affected you? Man, how, can you, how do you live like that? So I like a church that's real. I like a church that's raw. I like it when people say right now, life sucks. Or people who say, man, I'm really depressed. I'm having a hard time moving forward. Or I'm so angry, I want to do this. Or I'm so tired. That, to me, at least gives me an opportunity to say now, you are broken and we can be a part of the body of Christ together. So I like a, a, a broken church. A, a broken church is where people are willing to admit uh, their flaws, their failures, their mistakes, their sin. Hey, this is where I'm at. This is what's happening in my life. I can see the sin pattern that's there. Help me. I'm broken. I, I need help. Because to me, the broken body is honest about their struggles. They don't hide them. They confess their need. I need help. I love those words. I love it when people say, I need help. The American way is to say, I can do this. I can do it myself. One of the, the signs that drives me crazy about COVID and Mount Prospect is like, Mount Prospect, you got this. And it's like, it's an encouraging COVID sign. I'm not trying to be critical. But I mean, the reality is, no, we don't have this. This is a mess, man. We don't have it. Why don't we say this is all messed up? This COVID stuff is crazy. It's making so many differences and changes. But to just say, you got it, really doesn't excite me. Because it doesn't really admit, we need help, man. We need help. And so when people say, I need help, and in a weird way, um, it encourages me. It excites me. Not because you need help and not because you're in pain. Because the realness and the rawness draws me to people who just say, I am broken. I am messed up. And, and, and the cool thing about being a part of this brokenness is when we admit our need, we admit it in a way that doesn't make excuses. If you're like me, it's very easy to make excuses for why you do what you do. But in the brokenness of the broken body, this person says, this is true, I am broken. I am broken, but I can't continue to live this way. That's part of being the body, but we'll get into that. These broken people recognize then that they need mercy and grace. How many of you need mercy and grace? You don't have to raise your hands, but let's, in, the, in your heart of hearts, think, how many of us need mercy and grace? The answer is all of us. The broken body, the brokenness part of it is people who are willing to say, listen, if you look at me, I may look good on the outside, 
But on the inside, I am broken. I am broken and I need mercy and grace. And the beauty of being a part of the broken body, the broken part is to not only recognize that I need mercy and grace, but everyone here needs that same mercy and grace. A simple way of looking at it is like this. Um, when you drive your car and you're in that right lane and you got to get over, right? What is your thinking when somebody doesn't let you in? You jerk. You are such a jerk. Why can't you just let me in? But let's be honest. How many of you are that person that won't let someone in because you've been in that line for so long and you just see them coming up the right, right? They have need. I have need. You have need. We all have need in the broken body because we are all broken. You see, I don't really think the church works and I don't think the church is healthy until every person in the church says, I am broken. I have issues. I have flaws. I make errors. I hurt people. I hurt myself. I am hurting. I am a sinner, period. That's it. That's the broken body. That's the brokenness. Now, I wish I could say, I'm looking at y'all, you people, and yeah, that's true of all of you, but I have to confess pretty clearly that I am broken. I am broken. I'm a broken person. Now, here's what I want us to understand. This work gets iffy because I want you to listen and hear my heart. Brokenness, what it's not. Oh, beautiful. All right. Brokenness, people understand that stuff, and I am not, 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 not saying anything about therapists or anything else. We think in our minds brokenness is there's some personality quirk or something about me the way I grew up, I learned this, or whatever I do is because of this and not because of sin. Because I think biblically you have to bring the two together. You have to bring therapy. You definitely need therapy. You need counselors. You need those people. They see things that a pastor doesn't see because they're experienced. So I am not, 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 as many knots as I can say, saying there's anything wrong with them. What I am saying is we think brokenness is just the surface level I've learned this way. For instance, maybe you grew up in a family where your expectations were high. Everyone had to be either a doctor or a lawyer. And so you had the pressure from your parents constantly, though you didn't want to do that. And you always felt everything you did was wrong and it was never right. And so what we would say is, well, see, that's how I learned it. So when I'm hard on my kids or when I'm hard on other people, it's because this is what I learned. That's my habit. And my answer to that is, amen, true, but only half true. Because the response in the broken body, because without Christ, yes, but with Christ, that no longer has to be. Because if you as a parent put that on your children, when your parents sinned against you, giving you expectations that were well beyond what you could handle, then when you turn around and do that, you too are perpetuating that sin cycle. Now, I want to say that because I think the root of every problem is sin. When we don't love God and we don't love others, it's just sin. And I don't want us to get to a place because I think in the midst of being in the broken body, if we just sit there and say, I am broken, those are my issues, I think we miss the point of what it means to be in the body of Christ. 
I know that sounds crazy because it's like, well, I don't understand. You're going this way and then you're going that way and you seem to be vacillating. But what I'm trying to say is this. <clears throat> yes, you have personality quirks, learned habits, and all this other stuff. Some people have experienced in this community horrific childhood experiences, whether it's physical, verbal, or sexual abuse. What I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying, oh, if you respond to that, shame on you, because you should just follow Jesus and praise the Lord and do what is right. I am not saying that. What I'm saying is even when you have been sinned against, when we are broken, we say, sometimes I respond to my brokenness sinfully. Now, I'm going to ask this. Is that clear? Please don't be afraid to say, bro, I'm not getting it. Okay, so if you send me hate mail later. <laughs> let me put it another way. Let's say you grew up physically abused, and the only way you know how to discipline your children is through physical abuse. You were sinned against. That's wrong. But to carry on that behavior is also wrong. And part of the broken body says, this is who I am, and it's sin. I think sometimes when we deal with, and I see this sometimes in people, when they go, oh, you know, this is the way I am. <laughs> oh, this is the way I am. You know, I mean, just take me as I am. No. You know what I'm saying? If you have a personality quirk that hurts people, that's not appropriate behavior. It is not loving God. It's not loving people. And to do that is called sin. So I'm just trying to get us to understand, because we're formulating something here about the broken body. Brokenness is a reality. And I'll say it again, I'm broken. I am Barack. Hopefully it comes up there. I am the one who fears failure and is wary of criticism. You know why? Because I think the Bible says that is so true. And I want us to get to a place in my dream, my vision, my ideal, where we can actually come together and say, you know what, man, I am broken. I have some issues. I have sin that I'm, I am, I'm working through. So when I'm talking about this broken body, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about us. You have to see that, because if what comes through is, I am morally superior to you, you have missed everything that I just said, because in many ways, I feel morally inferior to many a person, because I'm supposed to know better, and yet still have the same sin issues. Now, the broken part, hopefully we understand. Again, I'm going to do this, not because I think you're an, an unintelligent group of people, but because I feel that we're afraid to say something. Is it clear so far? Not confusing anybody? Audrey says yes. She's our representative. I will trust her that it is a yes. Second part, the body. Not only do people in this church recognize their brokenness, their sinfulness, but they also realize that they are called to follow Jesus, to imitate Jesus, to heed the call to love God, to love others, and to live a life of holiness. It is the recognition of the need for mercy and grace while pursuing Jesus. What does that mean? That means, you know what? I am a sinner. That's all it is. I, I cannot change that by myself. I need the mercy and grace of God manifested by the mercy and grace that I receive from my brothers and sisters around me. When I fail, I want my brothers and sisters to come around me and to express mercy and grace. The same mercy and grace that I would like to give to them in the midst of their failures. To me, I think that's really important about being a part of the body. Because what does the body of Christ say? The body of Christ says we are to love God. 
and we are to love others. It is an impossible standard. I have never met anyone yet who has even come close to that standard because it's really hard to love God because the way God wants to do things is normally not the way that we want to do things. And to love others is even harder because we know and have such high expectations of other people and their behavior that it's really easy for me to knock someone down rather than to lift someone up. But the body of Christ is, I am not here for me. The body of Christ says, I am here for us. We are here for Christ. The holiness part of it. You see, because when we sit there and say, I have a personality quirk, or I have issues, or I have whatever, and then leave it there, we are no longer the body of Christ. We're just a bunch of people who are getting together for a social club, to be that simple about it. Because when we come to the body of Christ, why do we come? We come, God, I need mercy and I need grace. I love that song, Created Me a Clean Heart. Thank you for playing it because what does David say? David says, I am broken. I have blown it, but I can come to God. That's the cool part. That's the part that freaks me out. It, it, drives, it drives me how crazy it is. I don't, did I tell you the story? I did a wedding a couple weeks ago. Walking up behind this guy who was one of the wait, wait staff there, and I said, bro, man, you need to exercise. And it was a, it was a in road, because you're thinking, well, that's not a very nice, kind thing to say. But if you saw the guy, the guy was like, he was like a, a Jacob Lee kind of guy, you know what I mean? He doesn't really need to exercise. I was just joking around with him. And he started laughing, because, you know, because he's, like, he's looking at me, and he's going, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I'm telling him to exercise. Like, my doctor was bigger than me and said, I need to lose weight. I was like, really? Come on. Anyways, I wander. Sorry, Chris Kim. Happy birthday tomorrow. Um, shame on me. <laughs> Where was I going with that? See, now I need a little help here. Wedding, yeah, 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 okay. The wedding, thank you. At least someone's paying attention. Thank you very much. I'm talking to this guy, and we start talking about Jesus. He says, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian too, and uh, you know the real cool thing about how much Jesus loves us. And he starts talking about the love of Jesus. And I'm like, man, this is so cool. This is really neat just meeting this guy just because I made fun of him because he's a muscle head. And, uh, talk, and, and we're talking about this John 13 gospel part. And I said, you know what's so amazing about the love of Jesus is that even in the midst, knowing he's sitting there with Judas who's going to betray him, Jesus says, I still love you. And I will still serve you. And that's the body of Christ. That's the craziness. Can you imagine like if, if, uh, if just sitting in a, in a group of people who don't like you or people who are going to harm you and yet to still love them? And then I go, wow, body of Christ. You're in the midst of a group of broken people who need a Savior and the Savior says, this is how you do it. You love and you serve, and now you understand what the broken body is. That's my vision. That's my vision, to understand that we are broken, sinful people, and we need a Savior. <coughs> that Savior has come along and then manifests his mercy and grace through the rest of the body of Christ because we're all here together because we all have the same need. That is absolutely, to me, a beautiful picture of what the church should actually be. But to be honest, I can see how this dream can become a nightmare. How this ideal can come crashing to a halt when it meets reality. How this vision that is cast can be resisted. How so? Two reasons. Our culture likes to criticize. Amen? Right? 
Have you ever met people who don't criticize? I, everybody criticizes everything. I, you know, if you listen to the news at all, I think it's serious but hilarious. If you listen to one side of the aisle, our president is the biggest doofus that has ever lived on the planet. You listen to the other side of the aisle, and he's the greatest thing ever. And I think to myself, my goodness, why do we spend so much time criticizing, criticizing? And I understand there's reason to criticize. I'm not saying there isn't any, but wherever you're at, whatever your political affiliation is, I get it. Opposition parts of it. But our goal is not how can we restore things? How can we build things? Our goal is how can I make you look so bad so that when the next election cycle comes, we can actually win because you look so bad. I see no love in that. But that's our culture. How many times I've sat in conferences or sermons and listened to other pastors and thought to myself, I think I could say that better. See, we like to criticize. Everything is criticism, criticism, criticism. Why? Because cr- brokenness, come on, man. We got to do this. Body of Christ, I know, criticism. We live in criticism, a critical culture. And you know what's even worse? We don't like to listen to criticism. Think about that. How much fun it is to be critical of other people. It's cathartic in some ways, isn't it? You ever have those conversations in your in your head when you're arguing with somebody else and you are tearing them down and letting them know what it's really like and everything's really cool? And then when you get in the real conversation, they start speaking to you and telling you how it is. And what's that reply? Who are you to tell me what to do? Isn't that crazy? We love to criticize but hate to be criticized. And for that reason, the broken body never gets because we never admit our brokenness and we never come to Christ and allow the body of Christ to actually be the body of Christ. That's craziness. It doesn't make any sense to me. And that's why I think it's important that we understand that the ministry of admonishment is a very important part of the church. It's a very important part of achieving the dream, the ideal, or the vision. Because I really think the church is a gathering of people who in their sinfulness come to a Savior to promote holiness. So let me give you a definition. Oh, this is great. You guys are awesome. Here's a summary of this. A ministry of admonishment is a continuous speaking ministry. Now, the word admonish in uh, the original language is to put into the mind of someone, to get someone to think. So that's why I say it's a continuous speaking ministry of care. Man, get this, please, because we're going to talk about of care and correction. Care and correction that helps people think about what they're doing and why. With the hope that said person will act by avoiding, turning from, or repenting from their thinking and behavior. Man, that's a long definition. Uh, I'll send it in the uh, sermon summary uh, so that you kind of get that. The whole idea is this. Listen, the, the ministry of admonishment is people talking to one another about their relationship with Jesus in order to help them either avoid or get out of sin. Not because you're better, but because you're together. That's, that's a world. It's not because you're better, but it's because we're together. It's based on care. So, Here's what I'm going to give us. Four verses on what I think Paul sees as a ministry of admonishment. Acts 20, verse 31, as he's talking with the Ephesian elders, last time he's going to see them, what he says is this. Therefore, be alert, 
remembering that for three years, night or day, I did not cease warning or admonishing each one of you with tears. The ministry of admonishment comes from a heart that cares. This is the foundation. If you don't get this, don't ever do the ministry of admonishment. It comes from a heart that cares. It comes from a heart that cares. The heart that doesn't care should not do this ministry. The heart of God, when he admonishes us, comes from a heart that cares. Look at the Old Testament. Look at the churches in Revelation. It's all a matter of God saying, I love my people. And I want my people to return to me because I love them and I want to express that love to them. It is not God saying, you mere human beings that I could crush like stupid, silly ants running around. That is my pleasure. No, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So when Paul says, I have admonished you with tears, he's not saying, well, that's just kind of like hyperbole of what I care. I really think he cried. It really mattered to him. He was about to leave these people and never see them again, but also for the three years that he was with them, he'd grown in his love and care for them that he only wanted them to know Jesus, and so he kept warning them. It's the way I think I'm going to be come January when I'm not the youth pastor anymore. I'm going to be bawling. I'm going to be bawling. I remember a few years ago when I felt like this was the end and uh, sitting with the youth group kids for their senior graduation and crying. I couldn't get through it because they are so much a part of my heart. That's what the ministry of admonishment is. It's I love you so much. I have to admonish you because I don't want you to go this way. <coughs> because it's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. Paul in 1 Corinthians 4.14, and the Corinthian church is a mess, a chocolate mess, so many things. After talking about division, he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you. He's not saying, hey, you dumb Corinthians. I taught you so much and you failed. What are you saying? I'm not doing that. I don't want to shame you. Shame does no good. But I want to warn you, admonish you as my dear children. You know, it's like a parent. And I'm going to say that the kind of parenting that God wants, and I fail at at times because I'm broken, is the kind that warns your kids. I don't know. Am I the only parent that has ever really inappropriately yelled at your kids? Right? I think to myself sometimes, my goodness, what a horrible father. I think, and you know, the crazy thing is, I think of my father, and I can't remember him ever yelling at me. And I've read more books on parenting than my dad did. I mean, we don't talk about brokenness and sinfulness. It's like, bro, you have the information, you have the understanding, and yet you yell at your kids. And sometimes I've yelled at them for the wrong reason. I can't tell you how many times more than on this one hand and this hand where I've said things and it's like, dude, you don't, you're not listening. You're not getting it. You got it wrong. I mean, I remember coming home one time and yelling at my daughter, Christina, and I went on maybe for five minutes and then finally said, we're not even talking about that. That's embarrassing, but it's my brokenness. It's my sinfulness. You see, what Paul's saying is, I don't want to shame you, but I love you so much like my children. I think the good parent says, what do you want for your kids? You want what's best. Now, sometimes as parents, we don't really get that right, but we still want what's best for them, right? I, don't, I have yet to meet a parent that says, man, I hope my kids fail. I hope they have a miserable life. I hope they live in poverty. I hope they have cancer. I've never met that parent. Maybe they're out there. I hope no one here. But what Paul's saying is, you are my children. I love you. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work tirelessly among you. Care for, and 
you in the Lord. And that they instruct and admonish you. In other words, the Thessalonians are living in these difficult times. What does he say? Respect them. Treat them like brothers. These people care for you. They love you. And then 2 Thessalonians 3.15 says, Do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now, I know not everyone has good relationships with siblings, but the point is, in a biblical sense, we are brothers and sisters. The total foundation of administrative admonishment is love and care. If you cannot love and care from the heart, and this is the tricky part because sometimes we think, I really do love you. I really do. It's that weird kind of thing where, where in the old-time movies, because we don't spank anymore, but in the old-time movies, they would say, you know, <coughs> this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Have you ever said that as a person when you're getting ready to spank them? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if anyone's like in their 50s other than I am, but uh, I can remember some of that. And uh, no, no. <laughs> if it's really going to hurt you, then you ain't going to do it. There's got to be a way in which to discipline our kids. Now, I'm, I'm telling you this because ultimately the idea is love is the foundation of a ministry of admonishment. It's important. I'm not saying roll over and be a mat as a parent. I'm not saying, well, you know, you can't spank them or you can't yell at them. So what can we do? Trust me. We uh, raised Janet the first four years and the state allowed us to do nothing in terms of discipline. Other than say, go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Okay, come on. How many two-year-olds are sitting there reflecting on, oh, man, I didn't love God and I didn't love others. And that was a really mean thing and I really shouldn't have done that. So you know what, mom and dad, I'm really sorry. Anyone have that kid? If you got that kid, replicate that kid. Because I don't even know if they exist. That's the reality, right? They're, they're, we can't lay down and say, I'm going to let people flourish in their sin, but we have to care deeply. And it does require us to be critical, not critical in the way that breaks down, but actually builds up. It's almost like athletes that when they have these issues, maybe it's a hitter who's missing how he's, his swing is messed up. The coach doesn't say, dude, man, you like, you suck, man. And, uh, you know, you're a horrible, you should go back to the minor leagues. No, they said, this is how, this is critical. You're doing this wrong, but now here's how we can straighten it out. That's the ministry of admonishment. Now, I want to share this. I have three heroes who have admonished me in my life. The first one was when I first became a Christian, my Bible study leader said, that girl you're dating who's not a Christian, you shouldn't date her. I said, you don't know her, you don't know nothing, and I did. Changed my life. Man, was he so right. I didn't listen to him, but he was so right. Even like 40 years later, I can still feel the effects of that relationship in somebody's in the way that I think and do. He was right. I should have listened to him. And then another girl when I was in Bible college, Older woman, she came up to me and said, bro, that girl you're with, <laughs> this is a little pattern here, you gotta get, are you getting that? You shouldn't be with her. And I was like, I, you don't know her, you don't know nothing. Guess what? She was right. You know, only half right because the reality is what she should have said is, you know what, not only is she not good for you, but you're not good for her. She left that part out. She should have put that in there. She put that in there, then I would have started looking at myself. But she was right. She had the courage. The first guy had the courage. And John Moody, does anyone remember John Moody? I know he's long gone and stuff like that, but that guy, man, when he came up to me and said, who, who, who do you think you are? You think you're better than Jesus? Like people betrayed you and, and uh, no one's ever done it in history is as bad as you. Come on. I know that kind of words you say when you're feeling depressed, but he admonished me because he loved me. 
Those are my heroes. I really believe that the ministry of admonishment is very important, but you got to be loving. Each one of those three people loved me. If someone who was always critical of me and said, bro, you need to do this, you know what I say? Talk to the hand. I know that's like a 1990s reference, but you're all old enough to remember that, right? No youth group kids going, what the heck is that guy talking about? I like that because, you know, they don't know anything I'm talking about. They still think I'm a dinosaur. But anyway, that's why care matters so much. Because when you know somebody cares and they come alongside you, you know that they're there to help you be better in Christ. Because when you have someone who comes up to you and just wants to rip you a new one because they got nothing better to do, or it's a personality quirk, or it's the way they learn things, or the way they grew up, not cool. I will not listen to you. I'm sorry. Mind you, what is that? Say it. Brokenness, right? Because if someone is right, they're right. Let me finish with this. And it's, it's a word that I want to give to uh, a challenge, two of them. One to the admonisher and one to the admonished. So to the admonisher, check your heart and don't speak until you care. Check your heart and don't speak until you care. And this is really important because, again, when some people hear the ministry of admonishment, they think, this is cool. I have the gift. I got the gift of admonishment. I have read the Bible many times, and it ain't there. There ain't no such gift. It's a ministry. The gift of encouragement, yes. If you got it, use it like crazy. But there's no gift for admonishment. But some people believe that. And what I'm telling you is it's, it's a ministry, but check your heart. Before you speak. I mean, Jesus said it himself best, right? You know, you're looking at the speck in that person's eye and you're walking around with this plank bonking everyone in the head while you're hurting people. And you think, wow, I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm the one who has to speak the word of God because nobody listens. I must admonish you. And you want to say, where is the love? The love don't matter. As long as you're wrong, that's it. That's what I'm like. But to the kind of admonisher like that, I would say, check your heart. And don't speak until you care. Because the reality is, you are not the Holy Spirit, and you never will be. You're not the only person that the Holy Spirit can use to confront somebody. You are not the only one. And when we do God's work, we need to do God's work God's way. And God's way, when he admonishes his people, is not to crush them, but to bring them to himself. That's a huge difference because to be honest with you, I have preached in anger. I've gotten before congregations and because I'm mad about something in the church, you get up there and you share it and there's no love. All you want to do is just tell people this is what it is. That is called brokenness, which is also known as sin. It's abuse. I think that's spiritual abuse, to be honest with you. You stand in the pulpit in your anger and tell people, hey man, you're all messed up. So to the admonisher, check your heart. Don't speak until you care. To the admonished, guard your heart and still listen. Because even sometimes when people don't care, they tell you what's right. Now, I say guard your heart because when you know somebody doesn't care, you get angry, right? Who are you to tell me and all that other stuff that goes along with that? And even when they're not right, you get even angrier because that makes you worse. Like, hey, I've had people tell me, you know what? This is what you're like and this is what you do. And I'm like, you are so far off and so accusatory. I'm so angry right now. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I do that well. Keep my mouth shut 
but let's open my heart. Open my heart, and there is filthy anger, revenge, the kind of things that you start looking for. Wait till you mess up, man. When you mess up, I'm going to be there. It's like the parent who, who's running, scrapes their knee, and their kid goes, ha, 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 and then you're just waiting for your kid to fall. And then they fall, and you're there, ha! You see what it's like? You don't like it, do you? Right? What is that? And? Oh, yeah, see? You told me not to pick on you, and look what you did. I picked on you the whole time. It's brokenness and sin. Let me finish with this. And I, and I, I mean this. And, and unfortunately, they gave me next week to do the second part of this. So you can, like, run and hide, but please don't. I have a dream. I want to live an ideal. I want to experience a vision cast and lived out. And that dream, that ideal, that vision is the people of God who are broken in their sin. Hang-ups, difficulties, all kinds of mess, who are willing to come to church and say, and church being a meeting, not just the people, but are willing to come and say, I need God's mercy and grace. I can't do it. I can't go on. And I would love to see the broken body, all the broken people come around and say, you know what? You're right. You do need mercy and grace. And we're the vessels and we're going to give it to you because you know what? We need it too. And because we're the body of Christ, we don't have to be stuck here, but we can go somewhere else. You see, because the love of God accepts us completely as who we are, but doesn't leave us there. You have to understand that. The love of God accepts us completely. I don't care who you are here today. God loves you unconditionally. I don't care what you've done in a sense because God still loves you. But he won't leave you where you're at if where you're at keeps you from him. He will want to bring you from where you are at to where he wants you to be, which is in his presence. He doesn't want you stuck in some pit of sin, but he wants you to be stuck or abiding in his love constantly. That is the ministry of admonishment. Yes, you are broken, but this is the body of Christ. There is redemption. There is forgiveness. There is healing. There is cleansing. Don't be afraid to come. Don't sit here and say, I can't. Because we want to do whatever we can to rescue from that and bring you to a place where you can experience God as he is supposed to be experienced. Let's pray. Father, you know my heart. You know our hearts. And in knowing my heart, I sometimes think that you just kind of go, wow. Really? That's what you think? Man, that's messed up. I don't know if you say that. That's just my imagination. I get that part of it. I am thoroughly amazed that you could love Someone like me when over and over and over and over again, I can fail. Fail in loving you, fail in loving others, just wallowing in self-pity and sin. I appreciate that you don't let me sit there. 
I appreciate the people who come alongside of me and say, bro, not working, inappropriate. I get it, understand it, legitimate, not trying to minimize, makes sense, but it's still wrong because you're hurting people. We don't want to knock you down, beat you down. We just want to come alongside you. We want to love you. We want to give you mercy, grace. We want you to find Jesus. Now, mind you, that is not an easy road, church. It is not an easy road. It's a difficult road, a lifelong road for many of us. It's so hard to keep pressing on. But that's the broken body because... We don't want to go on. We want to quit. We want to sit down. We want to take a break. We want to reject God. We want to reject people. We want to go in another direction. And yet you, God, continue to pursue us because you love us. We are broken. We are the body of Christ. We are the broken body. So I pray for me. I pray for my brothers and sisters here today, those that aren't. God, fulfill this vision in our midst. Let us not be afraid to confess our need. Let us not be afraid to confess our weakness. But let us find a place also where as a family that comes together, people who have a need for mercy and grace ourselves and extend that hand of mercy and grace to those need at that moment. Oh God, let us be this church so that when people see the church, they see people who aren't hypocrites, but who are real and raw. And they say, yeah, I make mistakes. Yes, I sin. Yes, I have standards for some people that I don't follow. But I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to call sin, sin. But I pray too, because there are a lot of hurting, devastated people today in this room who have been beaten down by parents or friends or family or church members, even me, who need to be healed. So I pray for their healing because it is sometimes unimaginable the things that I hear that people have gone through. It's heartbreaking. So I pray that we can be this broken body that is willing to look at weakness and sin and come alongside a person even when that person strikes back at us, which is absolutely crazy. But it's the Jesus thing because we see it when he did it to Judas. We see it when he did to his disciples who fled and left him and abandoned him. Let us be like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.